0: If
1: you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Jonah chapter four. We're going to begin there. Let's stand together as we read from God's Word. Little man didn't want to stand, huh? He was like, oh, we gotta stand
0: up. That big sigh.
1: I will be reading out of the New American Standard. It says, But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And then he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my own country? Therefore, in anticipation of this, I fled to Tarshish, since I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in mercy and one who relents of disaster. So now Lord please take my life. Take my life from me for death is better to me than life. But the Lord said, do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah left the city and sat down east of it and there he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade and until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God designated a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to relieve him of his discomfort. And Jonah was overjoyed about the plant, but God designated a worm. When dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. And when the sun came up, God designated a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. And he begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. But God said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have a good reason to be angry, even to the point of death. And the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work, and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not also have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know the difference between their right hand and their left as well as many animals. Father, our prayer this morning is that we will understand that what Jonah was dealing with is a lot of what we deal with here in our own country, in our own
0: Christian um, life. And help us to see with our heart and with our eyes what you would have us to see and
1: receive this morning. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Now Jonah's name actually means dove. You see the picture there with Jonah and it's got the dove above it. And of course, dove is what? The symbol of peace. Jonah, however, if you look at Jonah and you look at how he's dealt with the people of Nineveh, he didn't seem much like a prophet of peace. Uh, we all know what his desire was. It was to see them uh, perish. He was so uh, upset and angry. he wanted nothing to do with Nineveh. He wanted Nineveh to be um, ruined by God. He wanted them to come to an end, and God just to allow fire and brimstone upon them and just to destroy it and And we know that that 's not what happened and and Jonah knew this about God. Jonah knew that God was a god of of grace and a God of compassion. And so we go all the way back to Jonah uh, verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 3, and we see that because of what Jonah knew about God, Jonah fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He knew that God would probably go ahead and do a great work in in the city of Nineveh, and it was bothering him because he hated the Ninevites. And the reason that he did was because he loved Israel, and Nineveh was a enemy of God's people and so in his mind if we destroy the enemy then God's people could be at peace and that is much like we have this idea today that when someone is near us or around us that is not supposed to be there we then turn and look at them as an enemy when we should look at them as a target for the gospel. We look at folks and we go, man, I don't want them anywhere near us. I don't want those people here. Well, they're here. Now what do we do? And as a church, we have the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. But so many people say, no, they don't deserve the gospel. They don't deserve this. They don't deserve that. I, I, listen, if you and I deserve the gospel, anyone deserves the gospel. People should hear it. People should know it. They should be able to hear from us. And and God knows the heart of man. God knows already, I believe, who will and who won't. But that's not the point of us. Our job is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Jonah knew the heart of God and he ran. He fled from the presence of the Lord. And because he ran, we know the rest of the story. The Lord designated a great fish to swallow Jonah. And so this fish takes Jonah and, and he swallows him. And Jonah's in the belly of this great fish. And, and Jonah finally recognizes he's in a predicament. And so Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish. All of a sudden, Jonah realizes, man, I am in trouble. Let me reach out. And we, we heard about this last, uh, the last couple of weeks. But Jonah reached out to God and, and he began to pray from the, from the stomach of the fish And when the Lord has the the fish throw Jonah back up onto dry land, that was the only lesson, right? No, no. Then what happens? The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time, and he said, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Now, I'm pretty sure Jonah had a pretty good idea of what God was going to tell him to do, but I imagine down deep in Jonah's heart, he's hoping, man, I hope God comes in and tells me just to bring everything down on these people, just destroy them all. That that has to be in the back of his mind, and we know that as we read chapter 4. And so Jonah goes ahead, though, and he hears what God has to say, and Jonah preaches, and Nineveh repents. Now, I don't know about you, but, man, if 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 I'm called to a city. God called me to a city that's just terrible. I'm in mean, a city that just has a horrible crime rate murder rate is up. So let's use Chicago as an example. Um, Let's say that the preachers in Chicago, they're doing their job, and then God calls somebody to go to Chicago, and, and all of a sudden he goes down through the streets, and he's proclaiming the gospel, and, and everybody starts getting saved, and everybody's doing a great thing. Don't you think that preacher's going to think, wow, man, God is awesome. Look at all these great things that are happening. People's hearts are changing. People are coming to Christ. People are seeing great things take place. You would think that the, the preacher, the, the missionary would be excited, but not Jonah. Because Jonah hated these people. That's the reason Jonah fled to begin with. He didn't want it to be anywhere around there. He was ready to, to get out. He didn't want to have any part of God's goodness upon Nineveh because he hated Nineveh. And now all of a sudden, God has done a work in the heart of the people of Nineveh. They repent.
0: And then Jonah left the city. And he sat down east of it. So now he's kind of perched upon This place. He's proclaimed. The people repented.
1: But Jonah's still waiting. What's God going to do to these people? Surely the Lord will remember what they've done to his people. And God's going to go ahead and do something to them. He's going to bring them down. And so Jonah is sitting there waiting to see what's going to happen. It says that he made a shelter for himself and
0: sat under it in the shade. Until he could see what would happen. Instead
1: of being a a symbol of peace, he was more like a bird of prey,
0: was he not? God just bring destruction. That's what he's perched up there for. He wants to see something bad happen. Jonah, Jonah's got some real issues
1: here. There is some true anger that he has towards these people, and he doesn't understand why God would save them. And, and yet Jonah is one of the first missionaries that we really see in Scripture, and he was sent away. He was sent out to go to these people, and he's dealing with the, these people, and he's dealing with their hearts, and he's proclaiming the, the message that God had given him to proclaim, And which is good news, by the way, because even if the messenger isn't a good messenger, as long as it's the truth, God can still use that. Isn't that neat? We learned that last week that our heart doesn't always have to be right, which we're thankful for, for God to still use what's being done. But Jonah, he's sitting there perched up, and he's just waiting for what happens, what's going to happen. And so we find here that God allowed a great um, plant to grow. And so let's look here in verse 6. It says, so the Lord God designated a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to relieve him from his discomfort. And Jonah was overjoyed about the plant. Now, let me ask you a question. What did Jonah do to get that plant? Nothing. As a matter of fact, at this point, if, if, if you and I were God and we were dealing with Jonah, we wouldn't have brought any plant upon his head. We just sat there and let him get burned. We just sat there and let him sit, but, but no, God is going to do a great work. He's going, to do, he's going to show Jonah exactly what is really going on. And then at verse 7, but God designated a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. And when the sun came up, God designated a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. And he begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Now I personally believe that I have pastored a few Jonahs in my in, in, in my in my ministry. Honestly, there have been some people that you couldn't make them happy for nothing. And here's Jonah. This great thing has happened to Nineveh, and he's upset about it. He's angry. Instead of rejoicing over the work of God, he's mad. He's angry. God, I wanted them to die. I wanted them all to just go away. Why have you done this? And, and then the plant comes, and, and Jonah's overjoyed. And then all of a sudden, the plant's gone. And Jonah goes back to, death
0: is better to me than life. Just a few days prior to this, Jonah's in the belly of a big fish telling God, whatever you desire is whatever I'll do. I just want out of here. And now he's back to what? Just let me die. Just let me die. There are many people who have said to me, Tom, why? Why? Do you go out of the country sometimes when there's so many people here that need the gospel? You too are like Jonah. You can't see the greater picture. All we are able to see is
1: what's right in front of us. And so whatever's right in front of us is what we should be dealing with. That's who we should be helping. That's who we should be reaching. But if you continue to read, you will find why God sends people outside of their comfort zone. As a matter of fact, those of you who wonder why we leave sometimes, you are the people that God has called to work here at home. He hasn't put that on your heart yet. And I don't believe that every person is called to go overseas. I don't don't believe that. I don't believe that every person is called to go out of the country. There are some who are and some who aren't. But that doesn't mean that those who are are wrong. And it doesn't mean that those who are not are wrong. This is just your heart. This is where you've been called. So do your job here, and don't question my others go out because God loves His creation. And folks, if they're in Africa, if they're in um, if they're in South America, if they're in Europe, it doesn't matter. Those people are still God's creation, and they need the gospel. And if you're paying attention to the world that we live in today. It is a lot like Nineveh. And let me show you how we know that. God said to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plan? He said, I have a good reason to be angry, even to the point of death.
0: I don't, you notice the Bible doesn't actually give us his reason. You know why? Because he didn't have one. He didn't have one, he was just angry. You ever met
1: anybody who doesn't need a reason to be angry, they're just already angry? That's just who they are? Now, how many of you are thankful you married that person? Right? Like, man, it's a joy. I love being married to an angry person. Now, thankfully, my wife doesn't have that problem, and neither do I. We have our moments of intense fellowship, but we eventually get over them. Right? Then there are those who never, ever get over anything. They all, Every time they go by something that reminds them of something, they go, I, I, I remember that. It's just automatic. Jonah reminds me of somebody like that. Yes, I have a reason to be mad to the point of death. Just kill me. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work.
0: And which you did not cause to grow. Which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not also have compassion
1: on none of the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know the difference between their
0: right hand and their left? Can I tell you something? That is our world that we live in today. People have no clue what they're doing anymore.
1: People have absolutely no clue what we're doing. I'm, I'm telling you, look at your, your kids who are being taught evolution in school. Unless they have a good foundation, a Christian home, they have no clue. They believe in evolution. Therefore, why believe in God? And if I don't believe in God, why believe in rules? If I don't believe in rules, why obey my parents and why obey the people at school? You want to see what your world is like? You go in for a day to an elementary school, just to an elementary school, and you
0: listen to what some of these kids are saying in third and fourth grade. It would blow your mind. You go into a high school and you listen to how students talk to
1: teachers. It it would sicken you to know how people are treated. Why? And, And we look at them and go, well, they're just not worth even helping. You know what? We are living in a time like Nineveh. People don't know what is right and wrong anymore.
0: Do you realize that what used to be right is now wrong and what was absolutely wrong is now completely okay? And here's what the church is saying, the church of Jonah.
1: We should only allow people that are like-minded. We should only allow people that act like us, dress like us, talk like us. We shouldn't go outside the walls. If that's the case, you have lost all of your mission emphasis. And you've become much like Jonah, who only cared about his own You and I are called to go. We're called to share. The, the, the neat thing about what we see here in, in, in Texas, especially right now, we are seeing all types of people come in. A lot of it is illegal how they're coming in, and I don't agree with that whatsoever. But while they're here, the one thing I will tell you is
0: they deserve the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. People need the truth. A lot of our missionaries that are working down close to the border are begging for help. A lot of the churches that are there are in desperate need of funds and help. I watch warm and all
1: that she does, all the ministry that is in, that's involved there, and all the people that come in and that
0: are in desperate need of more than just food. They come in for food, but they're really in need of Christ. That's why I'm thankful to have leadership there that believes in the
1: gospel, and that believes in the work of ministry, and that believes in the work of missions.
0: Our job is to reach those who God puts in front of us. We've got to be more like a dove. Who bring peace and that peace is Christ. We obviously understand
1: that a church can take on a personality. When that church takes on that personality, they either have a personality of a mission-mindedness or they have a personality that's going to die. It's going to kill them.
0: And if a church doesn't have the heart of missions, it'll never grow. It'll become a place of just a few. Someone asked me recently, what do you think's happened to such and such church? And I'll be honest with you, I've I've watched
1: a lot of our sister churches and those that have taken their emphasis off of salvation and off of
0: missions have begun to lose their people. Church, listen to me. You and I are called to bring people to Christ even if we don't like those people. Not fun, but it's true, isn't it? Christianity should not be
1: put in a box of politics or religion or color,
0: race. by the way, how many races are there? one the human race there's different ethnicities. I get all that there's different people, but I look at all y'all
1: y'all aren't as pasty white as some of the others are. Some of y'all have some good brown to
0: you. Rolls really dark back there. What's the point?
1: A church that has to look exactly like everybody else and everybody has to look exactly the same, and this, you've lost your point of missions. And when you
0: lose the point of why God put you in an area, you will die. This church, I'm thankful that we're mission minded. I'm thankful that we go to places that others may not be willing to go. I'm perfectly good with that.
1: May we never become like Jonah and decide that because someone is
0: here for whatever reason, they're not worthy of the gospel. The gospel is different. Than everything else. Should a person have to go directly, go
1: correct to get in order to be here? They should go through everything just like legal. But if they got
0: here illegally, does that mean they're not worthy of the gospel? No. We are men and women who have been called to the task of bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to whomever he puts in front of us. I am thankful to be given such a task. Somebody asked, well, does that mean that once a person gets saved, everything's wiped away? Sin-wise it is. There's still a responsibility to society. It's like if a
1: person who's on death row gets saved, all of a sudden they don't get killed anymore. No, they they still get killed.
0: But when they die, they go to heaven. Our heavenly circumstance is made by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our earthly consequences, we still got to deal with, Right? by the way I saw something this week that I thought was pretty funny and I'll end it with this because y'all need it on the bright note
1: and it said that uh, fat cells must be saved did y'all see that? because they seem to be everlasting right? they just they don't go away so they must have found Jesus so no matter where you are laugh wherever you
0: are, no matter who puts it, God puts it in front of you, bring them to Christ. That's the job of the church. Some of y'all are going to get down and go, well, he, no. All I
1: told you today was that the gospel trumps everything else.
0: And whoever we have in front of us needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Jonah couldn't stand it. He got mad. And God said, Jonah, it doesn't matter what you think of those people. I created them. And because I created them, I'm showing them grace. Father, we thank you that you love us. And we thank you, Father God, that you hold us accountable. With the gospel. And our job with the gospel is to share the good news with whomever you put in front of us, no matter where they came from and no matter how they got here. May we be that type of church that is willing to tell the truth. Because when a person gets saved, they no longer want to do things the wrong way. At least that's how I've experienced it. They want to go back and do things the right way. And that's what true salvation does. It gets rid of the eternal consequence. But we still have earthly consequences we have to deal with. But the church is about eternal consequences. That's what we're here for. We're here to share the good news of Jesus Christ. May we rejoice when people come to know our Lord and Savior. When they are saved from the fires of hell for all eternity. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.